Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. You need to love yourself. We've all heard the phrase, but what does it mean? Jerissa Blunt, contributing writer for Forbes magazine, host of digital content, The Comeback Series, and author of hashtag I Chose Me, breaks it down for us and helps us to understand how we can turn that phrase into a reality for our lives. With her vibrant and candid manner, Jerissa helps take us through her own experiences of heartache, challenge, and adversity in her life and how she has transformed that into a life full of love and illumination for others. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. As I was looking at all the different things you're into, you're currently a contributing writer for Forbes magazine, entertainment Mm -hmm. and technology reporter for Millionaire Match, producer Mm -hmm. and host and creator of the Comeback series, this digital talk show that I can't wait to talk to you about because I listened to some of those interviews, and then author of hashtag I chose me coming back from heartbreak and mm-hmm. other bad relationships. Oh, thank you. You have so thank much you. to offer. So tell me a little bit about, here you are, you're, you're living this amazing purpose-driven life, just the life that most people would just dream about. But just researching you a little bit, I, I found out that it wasn't just all just a smooth sailing journey. No, um, it never is. And, you know, when you go through those moments, you hate it, of course. You you hate going through all of the bumps and the turns and the closed doors and the disappointments. But then once you get through, because you eventually do get through to the other side, it's always worth it to me. You know, um, you always come back stronger, more wisdom, a better view of yourself, which is crazy important to view yourself the way God sees you. And so I don't regret anything in my life that has been painful because I've been able to use it to push me into the direction that I I want to be in. I know one of the things I was looking at your book, you didn't have a father growing up. No, I didn't, which, which is, you know, that happens to a lot of uh, women. <laughs> they grow up without their father, um, and I did not. And it took me a long time to get to the point of knowing that that was the best decision for, that could have, the best decision I guess God could have made for my life to not have him. You don't realize those things until you become an adult and you really get to see things for what they are and you get to you get to see your parents as adults and you get to see, oh, wow, this was, it was great that he actually didn't raise me because I don't know if I would be this strong, this fierce, this opinionated. I don't know if I would be that woman had he been around. But of course, in the early ages, you're trying to find yourself. You're trying to understand what love is, what it looks like, what it feels like. And not having a father is really difficult. It's really difficult. Right? Mm -hmm. As women, it's hard for us then. We don't have that role model saying back to us, like, you're worthy. You're a value. I see you. I see you. That's three of the most beautiful words in the English language. I see you. Mm -hmm. To be seen. And I spent a lot of my years. And and honestly, again, it, it worked for my benefit but I, I spent a lot of years wanting to be seen. And so I was an overachiever. I worked really hard. I remember, I remember crying as a kid, like if I didn't get an A on my tests, I was an overachiever. It worked for my benefit. So again, it was good that he wasn't in my life. But as you get older, you understand the other end of that where it's not good. And you gotta deal with all that stuff. So that that there was also a flip side, it sounds like, of that being driven. Mm-hmm. That it was also Absolutely. trying to fill maybe something inside of you. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're roaming the world trying to fill this void 
from external things and that's not how you're going to feel it. And um, I know the word self-love is an overused word. And I, and I mean, I'm single. So as a single person, you sometimes you get so tired of hearing people say that, but it's so important. There's so many layers of self-love that you have to get through to be able to give yourself that love that you have always desired from other people is priceless. And that's real strength, honestly. Doesn't it begin to, I'm hearing what you're saying. I mean, I definitely echo what you're saying and I resonate with it deeply. Doesn't part of it begin with us actually just befriending ourselves? Because mm-hmm. I resonate with that as well. And I have a very parallel experience with having a dad that was really checked out when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I, I get I had that same experience of wanting that external validation, and wanting that from the outside and from from males. And so being able to internalize that and finally starting to see yourself. That's powerful. How did you begin to do that, Jarissa, to see yourself? I think it started with my relationship with God, my mom had always, she was a God-fearing woman. And that was something that she always embedded in me. But again, the older you get, you realize these things that you need. And it's like, with what, you know, all the things that parents tell you, it doesn't really resonate or it doesn't really, it doesn't really stick until you come head to head with a situation. You're like, oh, that's what she meant. And so I do think starting there and trying to understand, God, how do you see me? Because apparently I am settling for, I'm settling in a lot of areas that you know that I'm way better than this. That's one way. I want to tell you a really quick story. I had a friend that came to, to visit me a few years ago, and she was like, girl, you don't even look at yourself in the mirror when you go to the bathroom. Like, do you ever just look at yourself? Do you know how hard it is to look at yourself and then go beyond that and tell yourself, I love you? Do that a few times and see if you don't cry. Things like that to be able to, it sounds ridiculous, but to be able to look at yourself and say, I love you. I love everything that you're doing. Right now, this year, I started this year with a I'm so dope um, wall. I have a, on my wall and I'm writing all the reasons why I am so dope. I'm so fantastic. I'm so amazing because I gotta be the best cheerleader for me. If no one else cheers me on, I do. So it's taking those little things like that. And then therapy, therapy is another way. Um, I'm a big advocate for therapy. Everyone should do it. Just being able to talk things out with a person that's neutral, someone who who isn't going to judge you, someone that, you know, it's, I mean, it's great to talk to friends, but just having that neutral ear is, is priceless. Um, that was another way. Um, and I, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all need it. And, and I want to make sure that I'm emphasizing, too, that the message that you just shared. I mean, I got chills through my whole body. The thing you're talking about walking by the mirror and being able to say, I love you to yourself. That is powerful. You know, looking in your own eyes and saying, I got you. I'm here I for you. you. I'm going to take care of you. That is how we cultivate that self-love. You've got it. Absolutely. And, you know, for anyone listening, don't get discouraged because something like that takes time. It's hard. It's hard to get to that point of like really appreciating what you're doing every single day. And I'm the type who's really hard on myself. And I had to stop that as well. There are times to be hard on myself and to say, Teresa, okay, you've got to focus on this. But then there are times to celebrate those small wins you know, whether it was today, I had eight cups of water. Yay me. Okay. <laughs> because it's, it's a snowball effect, right? And then you start seeing the beauty in yourself by taking those small steps. I look good today. I don't need anyone to tell me I look good today. You know? Yeah. See, and I love that because to me, that is that whole process of befriending yourself. When you're starting, like you said, it takes time to cultivate it. It's the same thing. Like if we met a stranger and we were going to start forming a friendship with them, 
we wouldn't trust them right away. We wouldn't be like, oh, here, I'm going to just give you my whole self. It takes time to build that trust. And the way we build that trust with ourselves is showing up for ourselves, just like you're saying every day, saying, I'm here for you. I noticed that you look beautiful. Look what you did. You took care of yourself. You exercised. Look at you had your voice. You talked to that person you were afraid to. That's the kind of way we build that relationship. Absolutely. Was there a moment for you, Darissa, that you felt like kind of the beginning for you of cultivating this? When did you start to really befriend yourself and start loving you? It was when my mom passed away, and that was in 2012. And if anybody has ever gone through a huge death, such as a parent, um, you get very clear about what you want and what you don't want. And so all of the decisions I had been, you know, wavering between or a lot of areas, especially romantic re- areas, which I you know, wrote about in my book, how I was settling in those ways. You get very, very clear because you understand the permanence of death. And that is the most permanent thing you'll ever experience in your life. There is no do over. There is no, I really need to say this to this person. I needed to hug this person. There's no do over. It's over. It's done. And so um, that year I, I took a huge leap. That's when I moved from New York to LA and California had always been a dream of mine to move to. And so once I moved to California, I really was able and not saying that I couldn't do it in New York, but sometimes you have to be out of an environment to kind of to kind of see yourself in a different way or be uh, to deal with things in a different way. And maybe it was the adventure of it all. But that's when I really was able to like get back to myself and say, OK, I've started this new life over or I started this new life because I moved from New York. I'm creating a new life. I need to create a, a new a new me almost, you know, and not to become someone else, but to just be able to start over, give yourself like, you know, a blank canvas and say, okay, I made a, I made a lot of mistakes. How can I pivot from that? How can I change from that? And that was really the catalyst. It was just, I just got very clear and I was out of New York within four weeks. Wow. Gone. (laughs) Gone. And you weren't just gone. You were way gone. Clear cross country changed your life. And you talked about too, I've I've watched one of your videos and you were talking about in 2015, again, it's Mm. kind of this catalyst. I loved this where you were talking about getting fired from two jobs in six months. And instead of seeing that as this absolute catastrophe, it became this point of opportunity for you that opened the doors to this, this life that you're creating for yourself now that's really amazing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, losing two jobs in your 30s within six months is no cup of tea. I was very embarrassed. I had never in my life been, I had never been fired. The truth of the matter of it was that I hated the jobs that I was working. I was just working them because one, I was familiar doing it. One, I was working in events. It was something I had did in New York and yeah, it was familiar, but I hated it. Then I was, I took another job and I hated that job, but I was choosing, it was safe. These were safe choices for me. These were, I can do this. I can squeeze myself into this square, even though I'm round, I'll squeeze myself into this. And it didn't fit. It wasn't a fit. And I'm a bit of, you know, I, I, when I'm committed to something, I go like straightforward and God had to close those doors. He had to say, no, you're not going to do that anymore. No more. And I had to take something that was already in me and start a new life. I hadn't been writing at all since college. I started a blog, didn't want to start the blog. I was like, this is like the third website I've made. I don't want to start a blog. Who's going to read it? Nobody's going to read it. Within two weeks, I had an interview at a major publishing company, and that literally just started a whole new thing. Um, I started writing. I started corresponding, doing red carpets, you know, working like full time in entertainment. 
And then I started writing about the tech industry. And, and it, I mean, literally that year, it was just, that was the beginning of, you know, where I am now. But it took me getting fired because who knows how long I would have stayed at those jobs. I don't know. Who knows? Settling. So you had some divine guidance, it sounds like, that kind of cleared the way yes, for you. I did. And so it, now you're doing these amazing things. You've been in L.A. for how long? For six years, going on seven years. And um, yeah, I, I've been, been enjoying creating content, inspiring other women, connecting other women, helping them also go through the journey that I went through. And I'm also learning more about myself. So I'm not I'm no expert. I still have my challenges, but I enjoy the life that I've was brave enough to create. And that's really yeah. it. You were brave enough. You didn't just mm -hmm. lie down. You know, some people just get sucked down when those things happen. And it's just amazing. I mean, some of the things you went through really would have knocked other people down. Losing your mother and then going through being fired. How did you hold on to yourself? What helped you? I really think I get that from my mom. My mom was so resilient. Um, she, she always worked. She would work two to three jobs all the time. And she wasn't raised by either of her parents. And as her love for us, you know, myself and my sister and brother, her love for us, I think like really drove her to work really hard. And so we're just not, especially the women, you know, in our family, we're just not, we're not going to like fall down and not get back up. You know, I really want to get everything that I'm supposed to get out of this life. And I know for some people that's scary, but it's so scary not doing it. It's so scary leaving this earth, not claiming everything that's meant for you. I want everything if I possibly can, because what is your life if you're not walking in purpose, right? Like, what is your life if you're not being an impact and you're not being a positive influence for someone else? And I feel the only way you can do that is if you're walking in purpose, because then what do you have to give? You don't have anything to give if it's not your purpose. You're just doing something. But when you're purpose for something, there's so much fruit from it and you have so much to give to someone else. So your purpose became about connecting and empowering women. I think I have the gift of encouragement. My purpose is to be able to show people that, yeah, they can create the life that they want. Generally, I do. Like, you know, I'm geared towards women because I am a woman. I understand how life can become complex, how life can, can become challenging for women. But for anybody who would listen to me, I encourage them to like really, really, really live your life in purpose. Sounds, you know, cliche, but like, honestly, I mean, that's what we're meant to do. That's why we're on this earth. So how do we do that? How do we find our purpose? What would you tell people? Because, you know, we, you know we hear that and, and, you know, people are going to be listening and saying, yeah, that'd be great. But I, I'm, I'm working two jobs and I, I'm raising these kids. How do I find my purpose? And, and I'll say this for one. I do think purpose can change. I do think there are seasons where purpose change because I've, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm like, oh, okay, this is another season. This is my purpose in this season. What are you good at? What are you good at? What comes to you most naturally? What do you do that people are like, oh my God, you are so amazing at that. What is something that you currently have, not something you got to go get a degree for, not something that you got to be validated for, nothing. What do you currently have? And when I say have, I mean, you're in, inside your instrument. What do you have that you could do without blinking that could impact someone else? Because I do think purpose is beyond you. It's not for you. It's beyond you. So like, what do you have? Do you have the gift of, I don't know, running numbers? Oh, so can you help someone financially become empowered? Do you have the gift of making amazing meals? 
Because you, do you have the gift of making people feel good when they eat your food? Maybe that's your gift. Do you have the gift like me, like of encouragement? Do you have the gift of giving comfort? And then you figure out, okay, then how can I take this gift that I have and what can I do with it? What can I do with it? Where does it belong? Where in this world does it belong? And if it's not there, what can I create? Yeah, I love that. Because it's not something that you have to go try to read in a book or like you said, go to school to learn. This is already your inherent gift. Your inherent gift. And it is the gift then that you gift the rest of the world with, that you can gift mm -hmm. others Absolutely. with as you discover what that is within yourself. Absolutely. So and again, I, I love what you said too about it's the stuff that you might hear people come back and go, you are a natural at this. You are a natural connector, or I love it because I think sometimes people hear this stuff and they think, okay, well, that means my purpose, I have to be famous, or I have to write a bestseller, or I've got to be on stage. And it literally is whatever way you can contribute. Absolutely. You might have a gift for being able to connect with elderly or, Absolutely. you know, working with developmentally disabled. I mean, there's so many different ways and you hear people all the time say, oh, I could never do what you do. Well, that's because mm -hmm. that's not your gift, but you can discover what yours is, your unique gift. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book because I was so <laughs> excited when I saw that. And tell tell me just a little bit about the journey. And, and for those listeners that haven't read the book, give us a little idea about what the book's about. Yes. Yeah, so I chose me um, is a book about how you deal with different types of relationships and how you can improve yourself through those relationships, whether they are romantic, whether it's, you know, growing up without uh, a parent, work relationships, um, your relationship with yourself. So how can you improve yourself through those good or bad relationships? And for me, you know, I, I decided to talk about, you know, those relationships that weren't so good, so how I could be better. The journey to writing a book... Everyone who feels like they have a story, you most definitely should do it. It's definitely a journey. It took me a full year to get it done. I I knew kind of in the back of my head what I wanted to do. So I started with just writing down the titles of the chapters. So I started there. And honestly, it was going to be a bigger book, but I was becoming so overwhelmed. I took one chapter and I broke it down into smaller chapters. And that's how I started. It, it, felt, it felt right for me to be able to do that. And I would just, whenever I would come up with, or I would hear something like, oh, I need to have that in the book, I would just type it out. I would just type it out. And then later I would go back to it and put it together. But it was definitely, it's hard because you have to go back to some moments that you don't want to go back to that didn't feel good. You got to remember and recall what it felt like in those moments, but it's worth it. It's worth the one person. You might not reach a lot of people, but it's worth the one person that will read your book and be touched. And that's really what kept me going for the one person. What do you feel like in the book? are some of the essential messages that you were hoping to convey to your readers? With the relationship, if you grew up with, with an absent um, parent, is, is knowing, one, that it's not your fault, and two, that whatever, whatever situations you may have created, whether it be uh, bad relationships as a result, how can you now correct it so that you can live a better life? I didn't want to go through life being broken because my dad wasn't around. So how can you start to reevaluate and look at yourself and say, I've made these decisions because of X, Y, Z, but now I am deciding that I am going to be different in this season. And so I incorporated some biblical scriptures that spoke to me, again, on how I could start seeing myself as more valuable, start loving myself. And also one of the key things I think was how to set boundaries. 
whether that be in romantic relationships, whether that be uh, with friendships, which was um, a huge thing for me at the time. You know, whenever you're starting to grow and, and, and elevate, your circle may change, your friendships may change, which was very, very hard for me because I think of friendships like family. So how could I start setting these healthy boundaries for myself and being okay with it and being, and, and being okay with saying, you know, that's a boundary for me. That's too much. How to educate people on how to treat me. So those are the things I really wanted people to take away from it. Um, but I definitely emphasize the friendships because, you know, that's something that everyone and mostly will have to deal with in their life, losing a friend, having a fallout, not understanding why you're not speaking to each other or why you're not hanging out anymore or why you're not on the same page anymore. And it's called growth. How do you deal with it? And growth is painful. It's not always, you know, I, I have said, God, please, I don't need to experience every lesson that every client of mine goes through to get it. <laughs> give, give me some oh easy. God. I promise I'll learn. Okay. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who has said that prayer as well. I've said that too. Like, God, I don't, I don't need any more lessons. I'm good. I think for now, <laughs> for sure, I'm good. <laughs> so you're currently not in a relationship right now. No, I am not. When you wrote the book, did you write about any of the positive relationships? I did not. Um, I did. I mean, only only the one with my mom. So I really focused on the ones that were that changed the game for me. That helped me change. Um, they were defining relationships um, that I spoke about. That really helped me to see like wow, I really have to make some changes in this area with these type of people, with myself, with myself. That, but I've definitely had some positive um, relationships in my life. My, you know, I have a really great tight-knit group of girlfriends that, that are also my accountability partners, my prayer partners. Um, it's that support from, you know, a group of people. You have to have that. But yeah, I, I've had some some definitely positive, you know, relationships as well as with my siblings that have changed over time because I've gotten older. I'm not a kid anymore. So that changes the dynamics a bit. And you got to figure out how it all works again in a way. And like you said, growth is painful, but you got to figure it out. You got to do it. Well, it's again, it's like, it's the only way through. It's like either we grow or, or we're stunted and then we're not able to share that light, you know, that we're meant to share right. with each other. So that becomes in the stumbling that's block if we're not willing to grow and our growth edge is just uncomfortable. That's, that's kind of the bottom line. When you talked about boundaries, I think that is so essential. So, so often we're, we can be really black or white or all or nothing in our friendships in particular that you were talking about. How did you make good boundaries or appropriate boundaries with friends that maybe were starting to be toxic or when you realized something wasn't a healthy relationship? What did you do? Well, I had to end a relationship, which is, uh, you know, the relationship I talked about in my book, uh, the friendship I talked about. It was a seven year friendship and it became really, really toxic. And to be quite honest with you, it had been toxic for longer than I realized it had been toxic, but I didn't realize it because I hadn't been valuing myself, mm -hmm. valuing my time, valuing my energy. I didn't value myself. And so I would just go to the greatest lengths for this friendship, and it was never, ever, ever enough. And not until I, I started to value myself and love myself, which was 2015, right after I uh, lost the two jobs, I, I just went on a major change on the inside. I ended that friendship that same year. And I got to a point where, and this was like, you know, I call it in my quiet time, but I got to a point where I was, you know, at home one day journaling and I realized that the person that I am becoming, I cannot become that person with this friendship. There's no room. There's no room. And what I mean by that is that this friendship wouldn't allow me to blossom. 
it wasn't going to allow me to do that. They were continuing to hold me to an older version of myself, and I was breaking away from that. And if you don't have friendships that will allow you to grow, you have to cut them off or you will not be able to get to the place you need to get to. And you got to really ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Because to me, it's too expensive to live my life trying to make someone happy that will never be happy because they were never happy with themselves. Hey friends, this is Charles with NOCO FM, the podcast network and streaming radio station dedicated to creating diverse shows just like this one and the numerous others that we help produce. We hope you'll consider becoming a supporter on Patreon, which helps us pay our hosts, produce more shows, and allows us to give back to nonprofits in Northern Colorado. Not only do you become part of our community, but giving also gets you access to an incredible selection of exclusive content from all of our creators, starting at just $2 a month. To get started now, just visit noco.fm slash patron and sign up. Once again, that's N-O-C-O dot F-M slash patron. Hope you have a fantastic start to 2019. We've got some big things coming your way. Now, back to the show. So that's kind of how I got the title. I chose me. And so I have to say those things all the time to myself. I have to remember when, when decisions get murky, how do I choose myself in this moment? How do I walk out of this and feel empowered and not less than? How do I walk out of this and feel more love than less love? It was, it was just a, it was a very clear, clean cut and it was hurtful because I view this person as a family member, but I had to. And that's just it. Sometimes we have to make those painful decisions like that. You know, it reminds me of my ex-mother-in-law had always said to me, you know, you find out who your true friends are, not when you're down and out, because it's easy for people to show up then, but you find out who your true friends are when you are ascending, when you are rising, when things are going well, that's when so often people's stuff comes up and they're talking behind your back and they, they're not valuing themselves and they're seeing them, themselves as less than. So they're projecting all that onto you. And that's where those friendships can become toxic. That is the absolute truth. And as I started to to really come into my own and really start going for all the things I wanted to, my friendships became very turbulent. And I started to like, oh, okay, I thought we were friends. Okay, I guess we're not friends. <laughs> you know, you really, you really, really do. And it, again, is hurtful because you dearly want those people to be cheering you on because they've seen you at your lowest moment. And it's like, but this is the moment that we've been talking about. Here I am. And I want you to come with me too. And unfortunately, they can't come. Yeah. They cannot come. But the good ones, the ones that really care about you and really love you, they will. They will they will allow you and they will allow you to ascend. They will support you going up the top. They want to go with you. Right. They get it that we all rise. We all rise. Absolutely. So I, when something happens for one of my girlfriends, for me, I am cheering. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like it just happened to me. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. And I, and I want to talk about then the other side of all this is these amazing, the success that you've had in your life and in your journey. And, you know, again, it's not like we become successful and then we're just successful and life is easy from now on and we never have any problems. Even though you've had difficulties, even though you've had challenges, and, and we all will continue to have these challenges in our lives, you continue 
to create these wonderful things in your life. And success, it's an outer term that we kind of measure things by, but it's also you've become so internally successful. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and a little bit about that current journey for you. So I recently, I know I'm late to the party on this, but I recently really jumped into the law of attraction. I know everyone has talked about it, but I am really, really taking a look uh, at how I think, what I say, and my belief system. And that takes, again, that takes some a lot of unlearning some things that you've learned from life, from just how your life has gone naturally, I put in quotes, but unlearning a lot of things. And how do you start to rewire your mind? You know, when you've grown up in a space of, you know, I hate to use the word lack because my mom did the best she could, but when you've grown up that way and you've seen someone working three jobs and still not being able to make ends, ends meet, then you accept that as reality. This mm-hmm. is what it means to be in in this world you work and you don't get what you deserve that can manifest in so many different ways it can manifest in taking a job that you hate like what i did it can manifest in accepting a salary that's lower than what you, what your true value is it can manifest in being in a relationship that doesn't honor you and not just you as a person, but honor your calling for life. It can manifest in, in how much money you bring in because, hey, yeah, you know, it's, it's part of life to work and not have enough money to not have enough. So you got to unlearn all those things. And so that's what I've really been working on is like getting my mind rewired and getting into alignment with this vision of who I know I can be. You know, how do I become? How do I wake up every day and say, okay, who do I have to be to get to this point? I have to be committed. I have to be honest with myself. Is it I have to drink a lot of water? Is it I have to be in the gym five days a week? Is it I have to go to these networking events and be around these people who think well beyond me? Who do I have to be? You know? So, yeah, I I just have been really just diving into that and, and just really being thoughtful about what comes out of my mouth. Because I think once you what I'm going to say susceptible or sensitive to like knowing how the law of attraction works. I feel like you start manifesting things quicker. And so you really have to be careful what you say. (laughs) Absolutely. And I don't think that you've come too late to the party. I think it's never too late. It's never too late. And as we start to get this, I do think it's so important. The things that we say and the things that we think about you know, I mean, that that's a principle in physics. What we think about expands. So whatever we put our attention on, we're going to get more and more of. So I absolutely mm-hmm. resonate with what you're saying there. And I think the important piece, too, that people don't think about, and as women, I think we can really be guilty about this, is when we talk about each other, if people start gossiping, they don't realize mm-hmm. we have our brain is not able to differentiate if we are talking about them or ourselves. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. So when you are that talking about good. that, the words that are coming out of our mouths, you know, we don't want to be calling her names or saying these bad things about her because all our mind hears is that what that's what we're saying about us. So if we're going to love that, yeah, we want to be sensitive about what we're putting out because we care about what we're putting in. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about a little bit of your show, uh, the, your digital talk show, the Comeback Series. Mm-hmm. What an amazing show. I just saw little clips from it. Tell me a little bit about how that got started, what you're doing with that now. Well, I had created a digital platform when YouTube was so new and it was all interviewing artists. And so when I moved 
to LA, of course, and I was, you know, jumped into the entertainment writing and writing. I kept saying over and over, and when I mean kept saying, I think for about, well, yeah, it was two years, I kept saying that I wanted to have a new digital platform. For two years, I kept saying it, never made any moves. And so it's one of those universe things. So as I kept saying it, what did I get? I got adversity. That's when I lost two jobs. That's when everything was feeling very turbulent and just feeling like, what is going on? But if I hadn't had all of those things going on, I wouldn't have come up with the idea for the comeback series. And so that's how that happened. I was searching the internet, searching YouTube for content about people, specifically about people who had bounced back from a setback. I was like, who, where can I read these stories? I need to be uplifted. I need to be, you know, I need some encouragement. And then it dawned on me, well, why don't I just do interviews? And so whenever I interview people, I, I'm like genuinely, and I'm sure you have the same thing, but I'm genuinely interested in them. And so I created this platform for women to talk about their most defining setback and how it pushed them forward. And you know, partially it was because I needed the information to heal myself, but I also wanted to share with other people. And, you know, I interviewed a writer, I I interviewed other women who had also lost their job. Um, One lady moved all the way to California, lost her job. And, you know, she had been working in, it was the cosmetic industry as a makeup artist for like 25 years as a trainer. And she moved to LA, lost her job and was like, well, what am I going to do? And her daughter was like, well, why don't you do what you've always wanted to do? Be an actress. And so she's been acting and writing books and doing shows and doing plays. And, you know, that's just how life is. I, I, I really wanted to encourage other people that just because you're having a setback, it, it's not bad. It sounds like it, but it's not. It's like, it's really, in the you know, as Oprah always says, it's redirecting you. Setbacks are redirecting you. They're putting you on the path that you're supposed to be on. So I did that content for quite some time. I took some time off and now I'm getting ready to do some more interviews. And so currently you're still writing for Forbes. You're still doing reporting. Is, is that live? Um, I do mostly just um, print interviews now. So I'm, I'm heavily concentrated doing tech interviews and entrepreneurship interviews for Forbes. But it's still the same type of storytelling because that's what I like. Um, I, you know, I know about the tech industry because I've been writing about it for quite some time. But I'm more interested into like how people got going. And I always ask that same question, you know, did you have a defining setback? So it's still the same type of stories, but just in a different way. And um, they have all they have all been eye opening. I realized that a lot of people who set out to do great things have had lots of moments of doubt and lots of moments of closed doors. And they had to figure out basically how could they share their gift? How could they share their brilliance? What could they create to do it? Most of the entrepreneurs I talked to, they've never even worked in the industry that they built a business for. They were just passionate about solving a problem. I, I love those stories because we need that. We need information like that to be out in the world to encourage other people that they can do it too. It's a human thing that we all share. I had an interview with Kurt Richardson, who's the inventor of OtterBox. Oh, nice. And he talked about that, you know, and Justin Morales, who's another, he's a serial entrepreneur. They talked about this concept of failing forward. (laughs) And And just like you're saying, it actually being a gift. And what that does is it gives us all permission to be human. In Kurt Richardson's story, people go, oh, well, you know, he was an overnight success. And he said, I was a 35 year overnight success, 35 Mm. years of failures and, you know, projects that didn't work. And so we have to get that, all of us. It's knowing that we, we have, we all have this fear of failure. And instead, if we can look at that differently in our minds and say, no, this is, this is like fodder. This is just some more information. 
and like what you've done, how that it's so inspiring to think about that. This is the element that's now going to open up a new door or propel me in a new direction. It doesn't have to be the end of anything or be definitive of me. I don't have to hold up my self-worth so that this project didn't work out or this career path didn't work out. Maybe this is that opportunity we get to dig deeper and look in what is that essential piece that I'm not lighting up right now? What am I not speaking or living? What you're not lighting up. And again, I majored in communications and my minor was in creative writing. That I graduated college in 2003, telling my age, but 2003, I didn't start seeing the writing journey till 2015. You see what I'm saying? So it was something that was in me. It was a tool that I had that I hadn't been using that needed to be lit up, like you said, and, and used in order for me to really like set me off on a new path that I thoroughly enjoyed. So that's why I always tell people, you know, you really had to like do self, yeah, do self inventory. What is something that you, you think that isn't a big deal, that is a big deal to other people and that could, you know, really inspire and impact other people? Because I can't tell you how many times people tell me, oh my God, I cannot write a paragraph. And it's crazy to me. It's like, why not? And it's like, it's not their gift. It's not their gift. And it was something that I've been sitting on for years that completely opened up the door to so much, but I didn't value the gift. I didn't know it was a gift until I basically was forced to do it, you know? And what does that feel like now? You click on Amazon and there's your book. I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. Actually, I'm going to work on a, a book probably at the end of this year, but it is so weird to be like, oh my God, my words are out in the universe. My words are out there, but it is so beautiful. It is so, it's, you know, writing a book, completing a book is a true accomplishment that I have to remind myself not to take for granted. I am thrilled for you. And I just think mm-hmm. it is absolutely, it's a wonderful book and Good for you. I mean, it, it is Thank just, you. even though you write every day and you're doing it for a job, I mean, to put your own life out there, that yeah. takes a lot of courage. That's a lot of risk. Yeah. And and what a gift for all of us that get to benefit from your sharing. As we're wrapping up, if you had words of wisdom, if you had something that you would want to leave the listeners with, what would that message be? You have the power to reinvent yourself at any moment, and we are all waiting for you. And what I mean by that is whatever you have, whatever your gift is, whatever your thing is to share with the world, we're waiting for you. We need it. Please do not take it for granted. We need it. We need you to be your full self. Because without you choosing to do that, you are really cheating us. And why would you do that to yourself? That's where the cultivating the relationship with yourself comes in. Like, why would you do that to yourself? You know, why would you cheat us? So at any moment, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It does not matter if it's 11.59 p.m. or 8 a.m. At any moment you choose to reinvent yourself, we are all waiting for your gift. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was amazing. This inspired and encouraged me because I, I just got done writing my book and submitting it to a couple publishers yesterday with my yes. proposal. And so I'm so excited to just get it out there and see what happens. And what will happen is that someone will be touched by your words and someone will think differently and someone will choose differently. And so for whoever that is, I'm going to thank you in advance. So thank you for taking the time to do that because it's hard work. It really is. Writing a book is hard. So thank you for being dedicated to sharing your gift and everything that you learn on your personal journey with the world.
was such a joy to meet with Jerissa Blunt. I loved her enthusiasm for life, her ability to take hardships and look at them in a different way, to actually transform them into something that became a message to others. She's taken the adversity in her life, whether it was in broken friendships or broken relationships, and changed that and she saw it as a challenge that would only take her to the next step in her life. I was inspired by the way that she was able to shift her paradigm from one of loss to one of what can I do with this challenge in my life? How can I look at this difficulty and use it as a fodder to stoke up the fire that impassions me to make the positive change in my life that then I can take and use to find my voice, to find my purpose, and then to plug back into the world and share it in whatever ways we can. What an absolute gift she brings to us in her voice, through her words, and through her continued enthusiasm that as we love ourselves and develop our relationship with ourselves, continue to find our purpose, we continue to find what we can give back. Her final message truly resonated with me that we need your gift. Each one of us has a gift to give and that that becomes the wonderful thing that each one of us can contribute and how important that is. The world needs you now. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.